Welcome to this week's episode of the Jewish Diaspora Report. On this week's episode, we discuss the topic of colonial powers and how they have affected the Middle East in the past and the present. Let's get started. A very hot topic amongst the Western world these days is the issue of colonization. We hear endlessly from governments and world bodies like the United Nations that more needs to be done to fight for indigenous groups against the history of colonization. Interestingly, these same people, typically on the left, like to suggest that the modern state of Israel is, somehow, a colonizing force rather than an indigenous people. This couldn't be further from the truth. For more information on this topic, check out our earlier podcast, A Free Palestine, The History of the Region. Many of us know the typical stories of the colonizing states of the British and French empires. These empires who took over the known world, planting a flag and changing the history of that country forever. In many of these cases, indigenous peoples' religions, cultures, and other elements of their identity were systematically stamped out as the dominant culture is forced upon them. In another previous podcast called The Judean Movement, we looked into how the Jewish people around the world are reconnecting with their roots as an indigenous people to the land of Judea, or the modern state of Israel. If you didn't hear this podcast, please check it out on your favorite podcast source. The reason why the Judean Movement exists is because the land of Israel was taken over by many colonizing empires over the years. The Babylonians, the Persians, Greeks, Romans, Byzantines, Ottomans, and even the British all once held control over the colonized land of Judea. Many of us, at least in the Western world, hear about the terrible history of British and French colonizations in places like Canada, Australia, South Africa, and North Africa. One thing that is interestingly ignored or forgotten about is what we know as the Muslim or Arab conquest of the Middle East and North Africa. For some reason, this form of colonization has appeared to float under the radar of the critics of colonization. If we define colonization as one group of people taking over an area by force— and forcing their culture, beliefs, and even religion onto a group of people who have recently been taken control of. When we look back at the Arab conquest of the Middle East and North Africa, I'm not exactly sure what else we can call this other than a colonization. The Arab or Muslim conquest was initiated in the 7th century by Muhammad, the Islamic main prophet. He established a new, unified organization in Arabia. The Arab conquest lasted more than four centuries, with caliphs ruling from various places and home bases in Damascus, Baghdad, and Egypt. Their influence and rule expanded rapidly under the Rashidun Caliphate and the Umayyad Caliphate, culminating in the Islamic rule being established across three continents, Asia, Africa, and Europe. According to one historian, in speed and extent, the first Arab conquests were matched only by those of Alexander the Great. At their height, the territory that was conquered stretched all the way from Iberia in the west to India in the east. Muslim rule spanned Sicily and most of North Africa in the Middle East, and even the Caucasus in Central Asia. English historian Edward Gibbons writes in The History of the Decline and Fall of the Roman Empire, there is limited information about what the pre-Muslim conquest of Arabia was like, but it was clear that there were numerous groups living with unique cultures and beliefs under a tribal system. The Arab conquest saw to it that all of these people were unified under one rule and the new growing Islamic religion. As the armies of the Arab conquests are capturing more and more land, the armies of the Christian Byzantines and the Neo-Persian Empire are continuously fighting back and forth, unsuspectingly weakening both of their armies to the brink. This was the backdrop for the Arab conquest to take over the region with little resistance from the two older superpowers in the area. In the mid-600s of the Common Era, the Arab conquest hit the area of the Levant, modern-day Israel. 
This area at the time was under the control of the Byzantine Christians until the Arabian armies set their sights north. After a two-year siege, the Christians who controlled the city of Jerusalem surrendered to the Arab armies rather than starve to death. Under the terms of the surrender, Caliph Umar promised to tolerate the Christians of Jerusalem and not to turn their churches into mosques. True to his word, Caliph Umar allowed the Church of the Holy Sepulchre to remain. The loss to the Muslims in Jerusalem, the holiest city to Christians, proved to be the source of much resentment in Christendom. Around the same time, the Arabs turned their sight to Egypt, also under Byzantine rule at the time. According to historian Hugh Kennedy, of all of the Muslim conquests, that of Egypt was the swiftest and most complete. Seldom in history can we see such a massive political change happening so swiftly and be so long-lasting. A once noble empire in its own right, the ancient Egyptian superpower of the Middle East had fallen to various empires until it was once and for all conquered by the Muslim conquest. Essentially, the Arab world that we know today was created during the Arab conquest by force, no different than the earlier Greeks, Romans, or future British empires. Yet, for some reason, when we discuss the idea of colonization, the Muslim conquest is rarely ever mentioned or criticized. Could this be because the Arab influences on places like Iraq, Egypt, and other countries today, who are still in the Arab sphere of influence, are still actively living under their colonization? If these people are still so happy to live under their new culture and beliefs, one that was forced on them many years ago, would they even realize that they're living under a colonial power? Maybe the fact that these many nations who are now seen as independent Muslim states are no longer considered living under a colonial power because they were no longer under control of their once colonizing country. The same type of thinking doesn't seem to work in the case of Western colonized states. For example, the First Nations of Canada, who are no longer under the control of the British who once colonized them, but now the independent nation of Canada. However, this hasn't stopped the indigenous rights activists and people on the left for calling out Canada for the treatment of the First Nations due to the systemic problems that they face today arising from the original colonization. The difference, it seems, is that unlike the First Nations groups of Canada who are trying to re-establish their own culture and practices, the people of the Middle East who have once been conquered and colonized by the Arab conquests are more than happy living under and accepting those colonizations that was once forced upon them. When we come back, we will look into the specific time and place of Palestine under the Muslim Ottoman Turkish Empire. We'll be right back on the Jewish Diaspora Report. In our last segment, we looked at the colonization that happened throughout the Middle East and North Africa during the period of the Arab conquest. We heard about how the Arabs out of the Arabian Peninsula quickly overtook nearly the entire Middle East and North Africa, spreading their culture, religion, and way of life to all that they conquered and colonized. As part of the rise of Islam and the unified Arab nation, all modern Arab states today were under the control of the colonial power centered in Syria or Iraq. Any small tribal differences were minimized or squashed out by the colonial power. Under Arab rule, anyone who was not Arab or following Islam would have to pay a tax to the government. This is one of the many tools that the colonizers used in order to promote assimilation into the new culture and the status quo. The conflict between the Arab Muslim nation and the Christian Byzantines over the Holy Land during the Crusades saw to it one of the longest lasting culture clashes in history that still has effects on the world today. Both sides of this fight fought for the land once known as Israel and Judah, for the holy city of Jerusalem. As the Christians maintained control of the area, there was an influx of Christian pilgrims and wealthy noblemen who remained in the area to build and grow Christian presence in the Holy Land. Likewise, when the Arab Muslims removed the Christians, their pilgrims and wealthy landowners came in to try and get their hands on a piece of land that became available 
in the newly conquered area. The irony, of course, is that, with some exceptions, both Christians and Muslims attacked and harmed Jewish inhabitants of the land in their quest to overtake it. Although, on some occasions, the Christian hatred towards the Jewish people and the death and destruction against Jewish communities on their way to the Holy Land helped the Jewish communities of the Holy Land work with the Muslims to defend themselves. At this time, there were no such thing as Palestinian people. There were Arabs who lived in the area under the Turkish, Seljuk, and later the Ayyubid dynasty empires. Following the downfall of these Arab empires, the Ottoman Turkish Empire took over the region and set up a massive empire that spanned the Middle East, Asia, and North Africa. Again, the people who lived in the land of the Levant were not a nation. There were Jewish people who had lived there for centuries and returned following the Spanish Inquisition at the request of the Ottoman Empire. There were Arabs who had come during their Crusades and after looking for new opportunities for land and work. And then there were the leftover Christians from the Crusader years. All of these people were considered subjects of the Ottoman Empire, being led from various places in what is now known as Turkey. It was not until the end of World War I and the fall of the Ottoman Empire where the British came in and finally took control. All of the people living in the area of the Levant and the Middle East as a whole had just become British subjects in a colony of the British Mandate for Palestine. This is when the growing anti-Semitism in Europe and more freedom of movement caused Zionist Jews seeking a safe homeland in Palestine to begin traveling to the Levant to reclaim their homeland. With hard work and help from various Jewish communities in the diaspora, Jewish farmers came to the land of Palestine to purchase a small piece of farmland and begin a new life. During the time of the Ottoman Empire, there were many Arab landlords who took control over the land in previous generations. However, many of these landlords did not live in the area and either left the land vacant or allowed the poor locals to work the land for a share in the profits. When these foreign landowners who had little connection to the land were offered money for an empty or low-profit agriculture business, they happily sold the land to the new Jewish pioneers. Sadly, in many cases, Palestinian farmers who had worked the land for many generations on behalf of a foreign landlord were asked to leave because their work was no longer needed. The Jewish pilgrims were planning on working the land themselves, unlike the previous owner. This reality is often suggested by some ignorant people as, quote, stealing the land, when those Palestinian workers did not actually own the land themselves and had no claim to the land once it was purchased by a new Jewish owner. This growing feeling of being displaced by the Jewish population, some coming from Arab and European lands, caused a hatred by the local Muslim population against the growing Jewish population. This growing hatred gained momentum as World War II began and the Grand Mufti of Jerusalem, the highest ranking religious figure of the British Mandate for Palestine, met with Adolf Hitler and supplied Hitler with his own Arab Nazi unit to support the aims of the Nazis at removing the Jewish people from the earth. You can still find today photos of the Grand Mufti in Berlin inspecting his Arab troops before they head to battle for the Nazis. Many of us know the history of British Palestine following World War II and the influx of Jewish refugees who had nowhere else to go. The British tried to stop the Jews from entering British Palestine to appease the growing hostile Arab nations. It was not until after the newly created Arab nations attempted to kill and remove the Jewish state from the land that the Arabs in the land of Israel found themselves without a colonizer for the first time. The newly created Israeli state offered their Arabs equal rights and citizenship under their new democratic state. Some, now Israeli Arabs, took the offer. The rest of the Arabs who did not accept Israeli citizenship were again colonized, this time by their brethren in Jordan. Jordan took control of the West Bank or Judea and Samaria and refused to acknowledge Palestinian Arab statehood. It was not until the 1950s and 60s that the Palestinian Arabs that we know them today began forming a national unique identity. 
Ironically, this began as a demand for equality under the law by their colonizers, the Jordanians. For more information on this topic, check out our previous podcast called The Lesser Known Two-State Solution. The Palestinian people today have been colonized over and over again, first by the Arab conquest, again by various Arab and Turkish Muslim empires, then by the British, and finally when offered their own nation under the British mandate, the Jordanians stopped that immediately and maintained full control over the Palestinian people who did not join the Israeli state. However, when we discuss the issue of colonization of the Palestinians, we rarely ever hear about the colonization under any of the Arab or Muslim empires. Amazingly, according to those who spread misinformation, they act as though the modern state of Israel is the colonizer. Is this willful ignorance or simply trying to change history and excuse the Arab conquest and other groups who have actually colonized the region? There's a very large difference between the colonization of the Palestinian people and the colonization of the Israelite people or Judeans. The Jewish people were always a distinct group who were a minority from their first exile and colonization. The Jewish people always maintained a unique identity and practice from those around them, whether in the land of Judea, under the Greeks, Romans, or Ottomans, or in the diaspora. The Palestinian people of today were part of a large Arab nation since their inception. They happily lived under countless Arab colonizing powers because they were part of the majority without a unique identity. Even under the British in the 1930s and 40s, the Palestinian Arabs did not see themselves as unique from those Arabs living in the newly formed surrounding countries. It wasn't until these newly formed Arab countries began colonizing the people who lived in Judea and Samaria, or the West Bank, that they sought to form a unique statehood and identity and culture, calling themselves the Palestinians. In the end, we have seen the history of the Arab conquest over much of the Middle Eastern and North African world, including the people who once lived in what was then known as Palestine. This included, to some extent, the Christian and Jewish populations of the Middle East, especially in the Ottoman Empire. The Jewish people resisted colonization as best they could by maintaining a unique identity and culture, sometimes at great risk to themselves and their communities. Unlike the Palestinians, who were a part of the majority-dominant culture for a very long time, the Jewish people were colonized and discriminated against. It was not until the foundation of the modern state of Israel that the Jewish people were able to shake off the yoke of the oppressive colonizing forces and have self-determination once again for the first time in thousands of years. It was not until the Arabs living in Palestine were once again conquered by fellow Arabs, the Jordanians, that they become a unique culture and differed from the Arabs around them. This attempt to unify under the banner of a national ambition from the Jordanian state became their first attempt at nationhood. For some strange reason, when the left calls out against all forms of colonization, they suggest that Israel, an indigenous people, is a colonizer state, while somehow ignoring the reality of the many colonizer states under the banner of Islam and pan-Arabism that have taken over the current Middle East and North Africa. For those who think that colonization is a bad word, I hate to break it to you, you should be supporting the Jewish state, free from threats by one of the fastest and most influential colonizing movements in history, the Arab conquest. Israel has finally regained its independence and provided that freedom to the Israeli Arabs who have accepted it. The Palestinian people of today claim a unique identity and freedom from colonization. I would suggest that they bring up their complaints with the Arab world, who were their original colonizers and, in many ways, continue to discriminate against them. The idea of removing an indigenous people, the Jewish people, from the land of Israel in order to create another Arab state is just an extension of the original colonization of the Arab conquest. So be careful if you find yourself promoting the removal of the indigenous Jewish population from the land of Israel, because you may just be supporting colonization. This has been another episode of the Jewish Diaspora Report. 
Don't forget to check us out on social media at jdr.podcast and check out some of our other episodes on your favorite podcast source. We'll see you next time.